don't be deceived by the beautiful crosses that hang on walls for decorations. It was not beautiful. The cross is a it is an instrument of execution. When Jesus died on the cross, it's not really an accurate statement. Jesus was executed on the cross, and he did die, but he was executed. Executed, publicly executed. Today, there are five countries that execute publicly still. Iran does, North Korea does, Somalia does, Saudi Arabia does, and Yemen does. Publicly executing people. In the history, there's been some horrible methods of execution. Many hundreds of years ago in Greece, they had what they call a brazen bull. And the way they would use this brazen bull, they had a great big bull made, it had a hatch on the back, a little door, and they would put the executionee inside the brazen bull, and they would light a fire under the bull, and they would slowly roast the person to death. In China, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, they had what they called a waste chop. And they would put a person on a table sideways, and they had very, very sharp, huge, heavy axe. And they would literally cut the person in half at the waist. Waist chop. The Hebrews had a way of executing. They would heat up metal, make it liquid metal, molten, and they would pour it in the mouth of the executionee until they were dead. The Romans, many, many years before Christ, had what they called the sack. And they had this big sack, and, and they would put the executionee in the sack, and they would put other animals in there, like sometimes snakes, sometimes dogs and chickens, and usually with snakes, dogs, and chickens. And perhaps there's meaning behind that, but I don't know what that is. And they would sew up the bag and throw the executionee into the river. In Babylon, in Iraq, modern-day Iraq today, ancient Babylon, they believed in an eye and an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so they would, if someone murdered someone with a sword, then they would duplicate that. If someone committed arson and killed someone in a fire, they would duplicate that, eye for an eye. They had flaying. Many, many countries for many, many hundreds of years would use the tool of flaying. And flaying is pretty much that you just peel the skin off people. And, and, and you go through that arduous process of peeling all the skin off someone until they're dead. Flaying. But of all the horrible methods of execution that mankind has used throughout the course of history, there may not be any worse than the cross. 
Now, what they did to Jesus was worse than what they did to most people on the cross. Most people who were criminals that were sentenced to die by the execution of the cross, they weren't whipped like Jesus was. They were not beat like Jesus was. They, they may not be called on to carry their cross like Jesus did. Do you see that because of the cat of nine tails they used on him and the beating that they used on him and the crown of thorns that they used on him, when, when they hung him on the cross, he had very little skin left. Now, can, you have cut yourself. You have had wounds in your life. Isn't that horrible to have a wound? And to have a wound, and, and all your back is a wound, and you're put on a cross. And when they're on the cross, they would, of course, put spikes through their uh, ankles, and they would put spikes through their wrists right up here high so that they could hold on for as long as they can. And they would be on that cross, and in order to breathe, they would have to pull themselves up to breathe. Torture. Jesus had torture for hours. He had the mental, the spiritual torture of knowing what was about to take place. He also experienced the spiritual torment of all the sin of all the world falling on him. He had horrible, but physically, just to think about it physically for a moment, it was absolutely horrible. And Jesus was executed for us. Jesus was executed on a cross for us. And let's look at the last few moments of his time on the cross in Luke chapter 23. What all happened when he was dying for us, executed on the cross? Luke 23, verse 44, it says, it was now about the sixth hour, And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So between 12 and 3, darkness fell over the entire land. It just became dark. People have tried to come up with explanations for the going dark. People have used lunar eclipse and solar eclipse, but neither one worked because it was a Passover and the alignments weren't there for that because they know when the Passovers were because there's a calculation they use for when the Passover would take place based on lunar and solar and all that mess. And so that wasn't the cause of the darkness. There are many prophets that give a prophecy of the world going dark. Joel does in the end times, in the day of the Lord. And so if the day of the Lord is the day that Jesus died on the cross then that would apply. Amos talks about the darkening. Isaiah talks about the darkening. But one thing we do know about Jesus being executed on the cross is Isaiah 53, 6 says that God the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. So for me, the most there may be other reasons, but the most reasonable thing that I can consider other than the evil come in the world that Luke talks about when Jesus would die on the cross, 
and the darkness of evil would fall on him is that same equation goes to the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, God made the world go dark because it was the darkest time for God. The time when he laid on his son all our sins. So it all went dark. The sun's light failed, it says in verse 45. And also when Jesus was on that cross and at that, those moments around his death, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, it wasn't just some curtain. It was a curtain that was perhaps 80 or 90 feet tall. It was 35 some odd feet wide. And it had many layers to it. it, it the, the, the book of Leviticus teaches us what it's like. It had cherubim in there, bright colors were woven into this curtain. But this curtain was quite thick layer after layer after layer, because that curtain would separate the holy of holies where only the high priest goes to offer sins to God, the sins of the people. It would separate the holy of holies from the outer court. The outer court in the, around the temple was, was only for priests to go. And then after that, outside of that, was of the inner court, excuse me, there's the outer court where other people could go. But you couldn't get past that inner court to get to the Holy of Holies. Only priests could do that, and then only the high priest. And, and that curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court. And when that, when that curtain was torn from top to bottom, it was to signal to the Jews and to the Gentiles to come that access to the Father was now available. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took on the assignment of our high priest. And we have Jesus that we go to. We don't go to a priest. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a functioning priest. We don't need any person. We don't need any man or any lady to stand between us and God. We have access between God and us through Christ. And we can boldly go before the throne of God because Jesus was executed for us. And then one of the most encouraging verses in all the Bible, which is an amazing thing, but that speaks to what Jesus says here, that at the moment of death is one of the most encouraging verses we have in the Bible. That doesn't seem to fit, does it? But nothing fits with our Jesus Nothing makes sense with this. You can't have so much evil, but so much good simultaneously. I mean, we rejoice and grieve when we lose loved ones simultaneously. Only God can make that happen through Christ. And here we have it. When, when, when Jesus was about to breathe his last, it says that he called out with a loud voice. He shouted out when he said this, and he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so at the moment of death, in such a cruel death, an execution far worse than the brazen bull, far worse than the waist chop, that got over pretty quick. 
even worse than the molten poured in your mouth. Far worse than that. That would be pretty quick. That would suffocate you really quick and burn you. Just, un, you know, it'd be horrible in there. I mean, this cross was, was, was devised that it would cause people to rethink criminal activity. But the primary uh, reason for the Roman cross was to keep people at peace, to keep revolts down. No one riots. Don't riot. Why not? Haven't you seen the cross? I mean, Jesus wasn't the only one on the cross. Jesus and the two thieves weren't the only ones on the cross. They used it all the time. And so people would walk by. This is not their first time to see someone die on the cross. The Romans used it all the time. And it's a cruel death. It makes you think twice. There's no way in the world anyone wants to die of execution on a cross. And so don't riot. Don't speak against the government. Don't, 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 don't protest one bit here with these people. They mean business and they're stronger than we are. And they really want us to be subdued. And so the cross would cause most people to be subdued. And on that horrible, horrible execution, he says, Father, the presence of the Father in the worst of time, in the darkest of time, the presence of the Father into your hands. So the, the split second before Jesus dies, there was hope. Jesus understood there was hope. Jesus had endured the pain of the cross. The plan of God to redeem man was just about finished for that aspect of the death of the sacrifice. And Jesus says, Father, you are God. You are almighty. You are present. You are here. Father, into your hands, into your presence. I'm not going to be left alone here. I'm not going to endure this all by myself. Father, into your hands, he is, he is proclaiming the presence of God at his death, at his execution. And the word commit, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The word commit there means to entrust. I'm entrusting my life to you. Statement of great hope, of great possibility a statement possible only by awareness of truth. Important if true. When you walked in today, you saw the sign. I, I want you to think about it. Every time you open the Bible, every time you come to church, every time you read some of God's word, it's important if true. If this is true, if this is what indeed took place, if it is true that Jesus said these words, and I believe it's true that he said these words, it is absolutely important because it's true. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, the centurion, not his first execution. The centurion, the word centurion means that he, he was an overseer. The centurion was a ranking officer. He's got 150 to 250 men below him. He was there to make sure all his men did the right thing, to make sure that they held any riot under, under control. He had seen it over and over and over. 
I'm sure it was just an ordinary, everyday job for him to oversee the execution of criminals. But what he saw that day was different. Can you imagine with the Romans putting Jesus on the cross with the colonel, I mean the colonel, the captain or whatever his rank was from our day and time, for him to shout out praise to God saying, certainly this man was innocent. Now the Romans did not have the guts to declare him guilty. They allowed the Jews to pull that off. They're the ones that petitioned for the execution, but he stands up. He's a representative of the Romans for this man, for this Roman centurion to shout out for everyone to hear, certainly this man was innocent. He had to see something that really blew his mind. What did he see? He saw Jesus say, Father, forgive him, for they don't know what they do. He saw Jesus loving on the people that were watching. He saw Jesus loving on the, the thieves that were hung on either side of him, especially the one that called out to him and said, remember me. And he says, I guarantee it, I will, today you will be with me in paradise. That centurion saw all of that. And he watched Jesus die like that on that cross. And all he could do was cry out, certainly, without question, without reservation, this man was innocent. And all the crowds in verse 48 that had assembled for this spectacle, it was a spectacle. It was a spectacle in our world, in our country. They used to hang people publicly. Remember? Back in the day, early part of the 1900s, the 1800s, you hung people. Everybody would come to town on the Saturday of the hanging. It was a spectacle. They would come to watch it. And so the crowd is there. They are there, probably curious, probably wanting the circus-like activity, something in the heart of man that is wanting to see a public execution. They were there. And all the crowds that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. Now, the term beating their breasts means that they had seen something that was so wrong that they were full of anger. They had seen something that was so without justice, so in inhuman, not human at all. They beat their breasts. I'm sure those crowd was full of skeptics that beat their breasts. I'm sure they were full of Judaizers that beat their breasts. I'm sure they were full of people who just didn't believe in this Jesus, just wanted to see him dead. But they watched him be executed and how he was executed, how he responded to it, and they just saw great injustice. And, and you know that's the case with people today. Whenever there's an act of great injustice, people beat their breasts. They become, they wail, they cry out, they militarize themselves. They become militant about an issue. They become really beside, sideways about an injustice they see. And many things, many laws, many positions that 
that people take in, in countries across the world is a result of an injustice. It's a result of an injustice. And that's what they saw with Jesus being executed. As we take the Lord's Supper today, as we remember the body that suffered on the cross, and as we remember today the shed blood that gives us forgiveness, that gives us salvation, I want you to remember, to keep in mind, the cross is not pretty. It's not beautiful. It's not a decoration. It's an instrument of execution. He was executed willingly for us. For us.